Tupac, please. He's going to tell black people what to do. He recites some history. Please, all these gangster rappers telling black people with college educations what to do. That doesn't strike you as odd. Okay, so you're saying that lower class blacks have the upper and middle class in check. You know it. You'd get called Uncle Tom in a second if you went against the kind of agenda they set. Right? I mean, I'm not saying be white, but this tough guy stuff is not exactly your Stanley Kaplan formula for success. Imagine if white people were dictated to by white trash. We'd all live in trailer parks and West Virginia would be the most populous state. You're traveling to another radio show. A broadcast not only of sight and sound, but of mind, mind. A journey into the wondrous land whose boundaries are that of the imagination. Imagination. That's the on-air sign up ahead. Your next stop, Afro Nerd Radio. With your guides, Dee Bird, Captain Kirk, and on Grindhouse Saturdays, the uncanny Daryl D. Mind expansion engaged. folks we're live and direct from the covid compound here in nyc still surviving and thriving i hope you are too this goes to a, a global uh a global in, global inquiry to our listening audience i just can't say new york i just can't say the united states i know we have listeners globally so i do hope that our listenership and everyone else is surviving and and thriving, not just surviving, but thriving through this very difficult time. I've never seen anything quite like this. I think someone who, uh, there's a few people that have actually passed from COVID who survived the Spanish flu. So you have some centurions plus that can actually speak about surviving the 1918 Spanish flu and now, you know, Actually, I can't say they can say they can speak on it now because some people have actually succumbed, uh, ironically, surviving a 2018, um, 1918, and not surviving 2020. Anyway, folks, this is the midweek in review of Afroner featuring Captain Kirk, oftentimes the uncanny Daryl B. I know that he has some book reviews on our Instagram page, so I would really appreciate if you would visit that page. Simply, simply go to Instagram.com forward slash AfroNerd underscore radio, or just simply search out AfroNerd radio at the Instagram web, Instagram website. So we're going to get to an herb alt group. We have a lot to discuss, obviously, people. Not everything Corona, but mostly Corona, because that's just the, what we're dealing with right now. 
But feel free to buzz in with your questions, your queries, and all that kind of stuff. 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. We are still working, believe it or not, diligently with the next platform. I think we finally got some of the tech issues figured out. So uh, crossing our fingers, uh, maybe within the next week, we would be at this new spot. So uh, bear with us. Uh, it's been a long time. We've been speaking about this thing for like a year. But the gentleman, um, you know, look, he finally came through. He's not just us. He's putting, putting together a, compl- a complete platform, including other broadcasters. So it's not – he's literally going to each broadcaster and configuring their system. So it's, it's a little bit – you could understand why he's taking this long because it's not just, okay, you guys get hired at Sirius and you come on into our infrastructure. Eh, he's building it up from the, from the ground from the ground. So, anyway, enough of that. Uh, let's get to the Herb Alt Black Rock Psychedelic Groove. This is one of my favorite groups out of the West Coast. Weapon of choice. Weapon of choice. This jam is called Higher Spice. About two and a half minutes. We'll be right back.
All right. Give you the very best of absolute black rock, psychedelic soul, urban alternative groove. Once again, it's one of my favorite acts, Weapon of Choice. Weapon of Choice. Okay, folks. Um, you know this gentleman. He needs he doesn't really need an invest investigation. <laughs> he doesn't need an introduction. But uh during this COVID crisis, his knowledge and the cosmic wit is sorely needed. So, Captain, without further ado, you need it on the bridge. Let's get to it. Cap, what happened my there? Board was, <laughs> my board was acting crazy, man. That's all. Okay. Well, crazy, you know, <laughs> yeah. we know why that is and what that is. Bear with us, folks. Okay, Cap, your thoughts? My thoughts as far as what? <laughs> well, <laughs> why? well, I mean, I know you. Okay, well, do you? I mean, you know, look, uh, the floor no, is yours. Know. I mean, whatever you, if you have one, if you don't, it's fine. Doesn't matter. I didn't plan to do anything. Okay, well we'll just go into it then, <laughs> folks. As a reminder, it. as a reminder, once again, you're listening to the the voice, oh, we could talk, the I sound. Could talk about this. I'm sorry. Well, look, whatever you want to do. <laughs> All right. You, okay. If you got, to, okay, let's go. In my sphere, in my sphere, in my environment. A lot of people have COVID, and I found out a lot of people, not a lot, some of the people, they don't have any money. They don't have any money. See, me, myself, I was like, when they told me about the COVID, I'm like, okay, no problem. I said, yeah, however long it takes, no problem. He said, you're going to be good? I said, I'm good regardless. I got six months, though, regardless, even though we ain't going to be here for six months. At least I don't think so. But none of these people seem to have, they were like check-to-check people. So none of these people seemed to have any money. And some of them had good jobs, too. Maybe it might have been that big vehicle they were paying, you know, six fifty a month for on the car note. I don't know. Maybe that might have been messing them up. I don't know. You know, I don't know what it is, because some of them were doing pretty good for a salary. So for one month, and you're like, well, I ain't got nothing. I'm worrying. Is a little prob- problematic in as far as I'm concerned. What some of these people were making. Where's the money going? So that's what's happening right now in my sphere. You know, I'm starting to know people are calling me up. Yo, Kirk, what's the situation? What's this? What's that? What's that? I'm like, my situation is, I'm on monk mode. I'm at my house. I'm just relaxing, man. It is what it is. When it blow over, I get back at it. Simple as that. I'm not sweating any bullets. Uh, it's just what it is. I'm not sweating anything. I'm not really worried. 
But these people are worried, and a lot of them have COVID. That's what I'm talking about, Afro-Nerds, all right? That's the situation out here on the streets. And some of you young people still don't get it, man. This is the NYC. You're supposed to have your gloves and mask on. I seen a guy, the police arrested a guy the other night. They arrested him, and then they, they took him to get treated <laughs> like if he had COVID, you know? I was like, yo, this is crazy, man. They ain't playing. But I was glad to see it at the same time. And he was arguing with the police officer. It was like, put on your mask. He was like, you start arguing with the police. And next thing you know, they brought a little bit of ambulance, and they, they was gone with him, man. Crazy. New York City, people, New York City. Stay alert. And that's what's what. That's all I have to report, Afrodite. All right. Well, again, folks, uh, feel free to buzz in with your own stories. Observations, questions, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. I have to give a shout-out to uh, the famous Judge Joe Brown. We know who, who he is. Famed jurist. Um, television had, has had a, uh, a, uh, a show on for quite some time. I guess in the same vein as Judge Judy and some of the other um, television but of course, he is an, he is an actual. Now, I don't take it any way, any way from uh, Judge Scheinling either. Uh, many of these individuals are actually uh, have had many years in the legal legal profession. He, he said something because we we follow each other on Twitter, and um, he had said something ironically very close to what my own father said recently. Uh, the Oracle, you know, we always call the tangential producer of our show. My dad, the Oracle, and these two, the judge and the Oracle, kind of came up with the same conclusion. And um, I can't find the exact tweet that uh, the Honorable Judge Joe Brown forwarded out there that he tweeted. But he said something to the effect, I'm paraphrasing, but something to the effect that um, black people kind of stay in a dreamland state. Something about black people and and dreaming. Did you catch that tweet, by the way? Because you you're locked in too. Yes, did you see that? What he, did you see where he said something about? It really. I'm again. I'm I'm paraphrasing. I don't want to butcher it. But it had something to do with, um, black people are, are known to kind of stay in a dream state, and their dreams remain dreams. Like yet they're not ready to motivate beyond the dream state. I'm probably butchering yes. the, the the quote. But my father had had also said something within the last week, and he said that black people, and this is this is this is not you know we're talking about a certain type of black person. I want people to think that we're talking about all black people, but there's a cultural component to many to many of us floating around. And my father said something about black people are a make believe people. <laughs> and that, you know, so I said, this, this is kind of funny that you know, the the judge said something like that. I'm talking about within a few days of each other, and I knew exactly what I know exactly what he means by this make believe thing. I think even how, you know, when when this COVID crisis first came about, and there's this whole belief that, oh, we don't, you know, we don't have to do anything because we're not seeing any black faces catching it. Um, although we did, but then, oh, well, he's light skinned so that doesn't matter. 
And I said, okay. <laughs> that's when I, that's when I, I said, I, I'm out of this. I'm off this crazy train. Once I saw that, I was like, okay, we, no one's taking this seriously, obviously. And then he, that gentleman proceeded to infect other players on his team. And now, in a matter of like less than 30 days, it went from black people believing that they're superhuman, that they had mel- like uh, mutants from Xavier's school of gifted children, gifted students. We went from that to thinking that we can't get it, we haven't seen anyone get it, and now we're hearing that we're over-indexing because of some of our our issues, our underlying issues, whether it's diabetes, obesity, smoking, drinking. Um, you know, the Surgeon General Jerome Adams, he caught some heat because he used some verbiage that made some folk uncomfortable. Uh, I just thought it was ironic that, that – um, the judge came. The judge came up with that, produced it. My father came up with something very similar, and I, I, I think what, just to kind of tie into what you were talking about, Captain, you know, you're saying that you, you're coming across some some friends and some acquaintances, some people you know uh, that are in dire straits. That this is no joke. That when the world literally stops, I mean, we're talking about just not being in motion. Those folks don't quite know where they're going at this point because um if depending what what kind of job you have you realize that these folks are going are being let go i mean even disney i think i even sent you a, a tweet i think a dm or i might have shared the dm where abigail disney abigail disney is you know heard the last name you know who she is she's she is uh the the, the female scion of roy disney uh, who was, I believe, the brother of Walter of Walt Disney? Anyway, uh, they laid off a hundred thousand people. Fort Walt them. Yeah, and the report the report is is that there's the layoff, but that you know the higher rung people, the executives were still able to save. Their golden parachute. The multimillionaires made sure their money was tight, but the lower the lower rung individuals, those folks were in trouble. And they they said she had said I th- well I think she chimed in because like, she might be the the black sheep of the Disney family. She chimed in I think, kind of highlighting that you know you, if you these people who were so so caught up in protecting their Cush, their, their cush funds that if they had done a little bit, like spread the wealth a little bit, you could have protected those people a little longer. But they didn't. They were more concerned about their own payday. So I thought that was interesting. But it goes back to what you're what you're talking about. That um, when we survive this, you can't say if. When we survive this, there's got to be. More intensity with black people. I say black people, but this goes to everyone. But I'm talking to, I'm being tribal now. I'm going to have to go to, to my people and by extension, people of color. I'm that kind of dude. We're going to have to, we're going to, have to think more internally. Really going to have to think more internally about how to uh, recirculate those funds, recirculate that money, maybe not, maybe not be so dependent on uh, commercial or, or outside corporate interests to your detriment. Uh, I tie this in 
to Roly Poly Martin, <laughs> Roland Martin, <laughs> where where he he did say something that I agree with. Where he he said that you know when the, we'll talk about it when the babyface Teddy Riley musical event occurred on Versus TV. Versus TV is an Instagram imprint um, that that Swiss Beats and Timberland created. And it's actually garnered quite a bit, quite a bit, bit of interest, hundreds of thousands of views. Let me repeat that, hundreds of thousands. Might have been even more than that, actually. I, I heard Bert, Baby speak, Baby Face speak, and he intimated that there might have been even more, like maybe a couple of million, looking at this this event. The first time out, it didn't really work out that well, and we'll talk, we'll get into that. That's like a separate issue about how it went down. Okay, but. Um, Roland Martin had said, well, what would have happened if you guys did this from your own website? What would have happened if, let's say, Black Planet carried this versus Instagram? Because Instagram, they found out, really was not equipped to handle it the way that they wanted it to be handled. So I, I think, well, damn, what, does it always have to be, do we always have to be this dim about actually trying to, kind of keep some of these things more in-house where we can, we can, um, you know, we can actually thrive on our own. We, we can thrive and make this an internal event. But, we, you know, we knee-jerk go to Instagram. It's like a knee-jerk thing to go to Instagram. And uh, something like this, you know, because um, I'm always going from bouncer to bouncing. I, uh, I think I might have mentioned this to you before. I might even mention it on air. I don't even know if the Teddy Riley, and I'm a big Teddy Riley supporter. Well, both of them I support, but I don't even know if that would have been the mo- if that is the most interesting matchup. I would have been more intrigued with LaFace versus Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis. And I saw that uh, Zoe Williams, the infamous Zoe Williams out there on the West Coast, that he had said the same thing. He's also in the, uh, from comes from the music business, and that he's got the same thought I'm thinking. Those two, you got the deal, the deal going back to the, the, the late 80s versus the time, and you have LaFace um, versus Jamal Lewis. I think that would have been more interesting. I think it would have been more interesting. I think you just tweeted out. You tweeted out what this would. Uh, you have it. You so what he said it? was. Yeah, go ahead and read it. Go ahead and read it. Black folk have no imagination except perhaps that they live in a dream world where their dreams will come true by simply having them. Yeah. There it is. Yeah. Yeah. I, I don't know if Judge I quite Joe said Brown, that. Judge Joe Brown, people. Judge Joe Brown, people. And my father had said, black people are a make-believe people. <laughs> and and, uh, and they, they, they both said it around the same time. So I, I find that interesting. Um, I see that our stalwart supporter from Chi-Town, uh, Sergio Mims, uh, noted, cineast, um, he actually has a few projects that I think he should talk about as far as he's done this. He's done this a number of times where he provides content for these DVDs, you know, the, 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 the Blu-ray DVD releases. He pr- provides commentary 
on the the film, especially these these historic pieces. So I'd like for him to kind of talk about that as well. Let me bring him in now. I'm, but again, I, I would like to get his impressions as to what's happening in Chi Town uh, versus the Big Apple with this current COVID situation. Sergio, what's up? How are you, man? How yes, are you hey, feeling? How you doing? All right. I'm fine. I'm fine. <laughs> Family's fine. I'm fine. You know. Good, good, good. Um, what's interesting in Chicago is that, as you know, uh, it's been reported that the uh, we're 30 percent of the population, which I think that's an underestimate. We're a lot more than 30 percent, but still, we uh, black people in Chicago account for 70 percent of the positive cases of the virus. Um, now, that's positive in terms compared to people who have actually died. The the overwhelming majority of people in Chicago and in the state who have tested positive either had no symptoms or very mild symptoms, and they have recovered. Um, as a matter of fact, even uh, you had the Jacob Javis Center. Uh, yes. Uh, here in Chicago, we have the McCormick Place, which is basically three large convention centers. And the the oldest one was converted to a, uh, a makeshift hospital with 1,700 beds. Uh, so far, only five have been used, which is a good sign. And those five are people who are going to be released. You just put them in the McCormick Place just as a temporary way station before they were released. So that's good news. And I hear that the Jacob Javis Center, from what I've read, uh, they're not – I've, something like fit 2,500 beds, but a tiny fraction of them are being used. Uh, the last time I read, somewhere around 65. All so right. that's good. Okay. But in Chicago, the numbers among, Af- among black people is high. What is shocking people, shocks me, is that the largest number of deaths in Chicago is in an area we call South Shore. And South Shore is a mainly middle class um, well, it's economically diverse, but there are some, you know, there are people in Section 8, and there are some extraordinary mansions. I mean, I could take you to parts of South Shore, you think you're Westchester County, mm. you know. Uh, and there is a huge golf course just north of the city, I mean, north of the neighborhood, historical golf course. Um, which is considered one of the best. matter of fact, Tiger Woods is supposed to be redeveloping it to make it even better. So, But it has the biggest number of deaths. Now, a lot of it has to do with nursing homes. There are a lot of nursing homes in South Shore. Um, and also, the neighborhood tends to skew older than average among the other black neighborhoods. Like, for example, South Shore has four times the number of deaths than Inglewood, and you guys have heard of Inglewood. Mm-hmm. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> um, in my neighborhood, we have zero deaths, zero. Wow. Um, and some neighborhoods, like Whitlawn, which is just south of me, which is more working class, um, they have two deaths reported, two. But South Shore as of today, has 33, which is staggering because you would think it would be on the west side. You would think it would be in Inglewood. Roseland's another bad neighborhood. But South Shore? That's weird. 
Uh, so um, I don't know. You know, but things are fine here, you know. I mean, like you, we got a really great governor, uh, J.B. Pritzker, really great governor. He does a press conference every day like your governor. Uh, He lays out the facts. He tells what's being done, uh, what's, you know, the good news, and also the not-so-good news, and he's on top of it, you know. Um, And our mayor, Mayor Lightfoot, also has been great. You know, people kind of make fun of her. You know, there are memes everywhere about her because she's very no-nonsense and rather humorless. But that's what you need, especially in a situation like this. Unlike your mayor, who wants to have a ticker tape parade. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, you know what? I, 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 I heard about that, and it didn't make any sense to me because he's also the same person talking about social distancing so where, where do we how does he talk about social distancing and then talk about some parade i'm i'm, I'm confused by that i didn't even look yeah. that deep into it I, I remember him mention i heard i heard it mentioned and i failed to go into it any deeper hey you voted for him <laughs> no 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 i don't i don't you know what i i don't remember if i did i don't know if i did i gotta be honest with you that's one that's one thing i'm not sure if i did because i, I if you remember I was a little bit, I was a little bit, uh, I knew what was going on with, with Dante's afro. He made sure that afro, that afro was getting bigger and bigger <laughs> as, he was, as he was getting closer to election day. So I, I don't, I can't say for sure. Maybe he I did. Yeah, I, yeah, I know who he is. That's the son who all the sisters think is so cute. Yeah, with a big afro. Yeah, I, I know of him. Yeah. Um uh, what was I going to say? Uh, oh, yeah, and your mayor with his black lesbian wife. I still don't figure – I can't still figure that out. I mean, our you mayor is, is, is a lesbian. You know? We got Dow B in the, in the place to be. Yeah, let me, let me bring Darryl in Dow because, because of his time constraints. Let me bring the great Dow B. Dow, man, the uncanny. How are you, sir? How, How are you feeling? What's up? Yeah, How are you feeling, man? Are you all right? As well as can be expected, haven't murdered nobody yet, so we're rolling here. Uh, okay. Okay, wait a minute. <laughs> I'm talking about you, man. Let's, let's not get off that. I'm talking about are you doing all right, you know, with what's that's happening. What I mean. You know, we're people. Yeah, okay. <laughs> that's, 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 that's what I mean. Listen, listen, listen. How many, how many serial killers, spree killers have you heard say, well, you know, he was angry all the time, and we all expected him to do it. No, it's always, oh, Oh, he was so nice, and he was so quiet, and we could never imagine. But look, that's one thing with black men. We let it all out in front. Why? Because then it's not pent up. Why? Because then it doesn't explode and kill people. Right now, I let it all out, so I'm good for uh, 10 minutes on here, and we're good. (laughs) Well, you know what? Let me – because I have you here, I don't know – know, I know your time is limited, so I want to take advantage of you while I can. So, look. Um, the, there's one thing we haven't really talked about is where do we see this COVID situation going into the future? Like, let, let's assume we have to be hopeful. Let's say we get beyond this in some way. I don't know what the time frame is. It, no idea. But if do do you what do you see will be the changes to be expected with after COVID? Now, what I mean by that obviously is uh, we have comic book shots. We have, I mean, that's like our own thing. The movies, well, look, it's not just movies and comic shops. I mean, it's like everything. America's America's main product 
It's not about like the old days when we had fa- uh, factories. You start to realize what we do is so socially based. That's why IG and Twitter and, and, and YouTube, all these things work so well, because the main component is we socialize. Socializing, we've been able to make that into some kind of product. So whether it's going to baseball games, Nick games, football games, clubs, everything that Americans do that produces money, the, the comedian, the, the, the noted comedian that's able to go from city to city and go to venues, the musician that might not be selling a lot of records but is making money on the road, everything is public speaking. All that stuff is, is wholesale Americana. What, what happens now to you, Daryl? Do you think well, it's back to normal or that's done? Well, I will just say it like this. What this has proven, okay, for whatever business you're in, you have to take advantage of the Internet. You have to at least make part of your business Internet-capable. If you are afraid of computers or not tech-savvy in any way, then this has crippled you, okay? No ifs, no ands, or buts about it. You have to know how to reach your your customers through the Internet in some form or fashion. Don't be a Teddy Riley. Don't get caught with your ass out. All right? <laughs> you better know how to use the equipment. You better know how to adjust to a, a given situation. You better know, and this is what I tell everybody, pay close attention to how People and businesses acted around you when this crisis happened. Why? Because after the crisis, you don't go and give them the majority of your time, money, and patience anymore. All right? Like if they mistreated you during the crisis, then are all back out. Well, that was just because of the crisis, but we're cool, right? We're cool. No. Understand, pay attention, go in with your eyes open as to what happened in a pressure situation that was uh, uh, harmful or detrimental to most of the nation and see how they treated you. Like, I have, I have a friend. I have a friend, okay? And she came straight out and said this. I have a friend that, that, that went out. Went out, left, left her like her roommate. Went out and went to one of those parties <laughs> during this epidemic and didn't tell wow. me. And then wow. she comes back in and she goes, "Yeah, I was just at a big party." Really? During this? Like, I don't really care. This is all a fake anyway. Really? But people are dying from it, and you go out to a party, you don't tell your roommate, and then all of a sudden you come right back in and you plop right next to her. <laughs> remember this, just from folks out there listening. I'm not even joking about it, even though you hear me laughing, because there's other stuff I could say, but they, again, you know, I get banned off of the air. <laughs> but, but just think about it. I have. I have another I have a family member family member who straight up screwed the, uh, another family member of mine in terms of rent uh, rent and stuff like that during this thing all right 
Yes, it's a hard time for everybody, but if you can't pay the rent or you can't work out an agreement during this, here, lines of communication. Everybody's kind of home now, so you can talk. Don't wait until the day where you have to pay, and then you just up and leave. That's what I my, got it. I ain't got in it. My family, <laughs> in my family, that's what happened. So I'm dealing with that over here, too. So, you know, where where the, somebody thought to be dependable just left high and dry during this. Screwed. So, like I said, look at your family. Look at your friends. Look at the corporation. See how they acted during this crisis. And then decide whether you want to still do business with them. I'm being totally serious. Well, you know something, you know something, Dow. I was thinking. You, you made me uh, think about this, uh, I, and I've always thought this way anyway. But now I'm wondering, uh, like, what would stop these people now? What, what I mean is, especially uh, let's, let's speak more personally. You and I both know a number of comic book retailers, right? But this really could mm-hmm. apply to anyone that's in that kind of business. Now I know that uh, our friend, our dear friend Donna, we've known for years. Uh, Donna and her husband Richie, uh, they've led a pretty uh, solid comic book business because people are, in, are they're endearing to people and it's very family oriented and uh, many comic book aficionados are very loyal to their comic shop, comic shop retailers. But you you know that she personally has not, I don't know about Richie so much, but I know that she has been has this thing about like technology. She's very much a luddite. I think she would admit mm-hmm. to that with not really liking dealing with technology and and I've always I've been telling her for years look you need to put your your inventory online you need, you should have a a virtual store the same way that you have your brick and mortar store now I know that our our friend Jeff who is also a retailer he he does uh, a fair share of business on 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 uh, eBay but I I think I I can't say for Jeff I don't know about Jeff completely but if I were Jeff as big of as as his store is he has a lot of stuff I'd say at least fifty percent of what's on on that on that showroom floor should have been as a virtual eBay store now, do you do you yep. do you know if he had do you know if he has it like that or probably not I, he was trying to convert over. He was. One of the things he was going to do was take pictures of the store, you know, and like, and then and have somebody work on a site where you click on, now you got the picture of the store, and uh, sort of like a, what is it, a cap, like a 3D model, where you can walk in, and as you pivot the mouse, yeah. it pivots the mm-hmm. store, and things are highlighted where you can click, and then there's a list of everything that's on that side, and that list, list. so it'd be a virtual walk into his store, and here's his stock, and bit bit bit. He was having somebody work on that for him, so he's let's good. Me, let me I, just I'll, have like have like um, dolls and some figurines there too. Yeah, he has, that, he has right? everything. He has everything. Yeah, that's a, that'll be big over the internet. People love those things. Yeah, and and with Donna, I'll I'll let you know. I spoke to Donna yesterday, actually, and Donna this forced Donna that they got a new Dell computer. This forced her to start doing. She's learning from Richie how to how to handle inventory online and all of that. So you know this this thing forced it's adapt, change or die. Stealing stealing the 
the Stormwatch freaking title change or diadem. Folks, if you don't have an internet component to your business, all right, you're, you're cutting off a major revenue stream. And the guys that aren't really hurting right now are guys and gals that have that internet business stream. Because let me tell you something. Um, I'm still looking at looking at stuff on eBay. Now, I have yet to pull the trigger. But I'm, look, I'm still buying some stuff on eBay. But uh, I'm still seeing things being sold. I'm still seeing uh, comic books that are in, you know, the, the – you know, let's say twenty bucks to two thousand and up. Books are, you know, the the wealthy people, the ones that you know, the people that are clearly not hurting are the ones that are, when you're still seeing seeing books that are valued in the thousands still moving. So so <laughs> commerce is still going on on uh, on the internet. And when I and I got to finish this point. In the case of let's say Jeff, I, I can speak of Jeff's inventory because Jeff's inventory is immense. I would say that. Again, you can't think just nationally. Imagine even in a even in a in a pandemic, you still have literally literally the world at your feet. If Jeff conservatively sold, I, he, I, he has he has so much crap that if he sold I don't know ten items a day, at least let's say his entire inventory was on eBay. I would say he would still be able to sell at least 10 items or, or whatever it is, like let's say 30 items a week virtually. He would still be good to go in yeah, spite of what's happening. He's saving something for me. He's saving like a Green Lantern, a Green Lantern uh, poster. It's like a three-dimensional, a three-dimensional in a wooden frame. It's kind of a it's kind of a cool thing. It's something you definitely would have, you know, for our quote unquote future uh YouTube, you know, whatever that is. You know what I'm saying? But the bottom line is I'm not saying this guy has enough product to definitely be selling while while the doors are closed. I'm just saying. Go ahead, Daryl. Sorry but, about that. But I but I I will say this too. We're getting to the point now with this as you see other people going out in the streets and demonstrating there's people at home and now that, that stir craziness, that cabin fever is starting to hit. So you're going to see online purchases a bit more. <laughs> and I was telling Donna this. I was getting uh, – I'm, I'm getting to the point I just picked myself up a tablet <laughs> like a week ago, a tablet. So I'm, I'm, I'm converting over. I, I picked up the tablet. I haven't started picking up comics yet, but I picked up some of the novels because bookstores are closed. So you know, so I'm I'm already slowly but surely making the change myself when it comes to this. As you guys see, I've done started doing the one minute bad reviews. You know, I'm I'm starting to use that video component, starting to get with the times now. But that stir craziness is coming, and I I heard from a friend, another another one of my friends, like I couldn't help it, I I was going crazy, so I just had to pick up those two hundred fifty dollar boots I've always wanted. Like, just, okay. Just like, let me tell you wait. what I do. I go crazy. I go for a walk. Gloves, man, and walk. That's what I do. Let yeah, me take but a thirty-minute walk. But I'm just telling you that. Yeah. Hey, the, the churches. No, people got that stimulus check. That some guys like give your stimulus check for us, and we'll ensure your pathway to God. Brother, sister, okay. please, <laughs> hold, on. hold on to that check because you don't know when you get that paycheck. Ain't no real money anyway. Ain't no real money anyway. 
That's nice. But, but but again, I'm telling you, this is this is the stuff when I haven't been around, this is the stuff I've been hearing in the pipeline, this is the stuff I've been seeing. If you paid close attention to some of the Twitter and Instagram stuff other than Teddy Riley, I'm still shaking my head. Uh you you still you're seeing this stuff happening and you just gotta go, guys, guys. You're spending it like it's free. There is nothing free. You should have learned this by now. Nothing here is free. <laughs> I, I, I want to oh, talk. Yeah. I want to talk okay, more. Since you, since you mentioned, I like the I like the the fact that you brought up the phrase "stir crazy." That's another element that's going on right now. I think even Sergio can speak on that a little bit. Uh, what's going on around in Shy Town as far? Have you seen any instances? Of story craziness. And let me then let me set it up like this. Um, like for instance, uh, we're seeing the Michigan protests. Uh, some black folks are notice, noticing that okay, you have a group of white people that are communing with each other. They're not protected, and they're just angry. And you could have some some black folks that are in project areas, and the police are called in, and they're actually being manhandled by the police versus they're treating these white folks that are perhaps equally as ignorant, actually more so. I think there's more of a, maybe a, more on the end of, of the black folks being, being sincerely ignorant versus some of the white folks being conscientiously stupid. They're being, they're, they're being uh, with intentionally they're being stupid. With, with protesting and i got to have my hair done, I've got to get my nails done, I don't care about this thing, this is a big hoax, and you have some black people in dire circumstances, and I don't, they may not necessarily know. Even though I think, even I have my issues with it, but they may, you, let's say they don't necessarily know they shouldn't be, you know, a, a foot away from each other and playing basketball and doing all this goofy stuff. What are your thoughts uh, about that? Well, in terms of well, not uh, Chicago, but in Illinois, no, not really. There was Illinois is basically a blue state. Uh, there was a small protest in the capital, Springfield, yesterday. There were more people. You'll find more people at a car wash than at that, you know, demonstration. Uh, in terms of people cabin fever, I'm sure people are experiencing that. I have experience, if you may remember. It was this month four years ago, uh, what actually happened before then, in, in March. I went through, because of a blood condition I had, which, I'm fine, I'm fine now. The blood condition I had, I, I had to go through three operations on my leg. And um, I was in a hospital for two months, and then that followed. I was basically home-ridden for seven months for basically most of 2016. That was it. I was home. I couldn't really go anywhere. Uh, I couldn't walk. My my leg took at least seven months to heal because it was scarred and the wounds, the, the scarring did not heal. Uh, I was actually confined to a wheelchair, believe it or not. Um, and then after I got back on my feet, I literally had to learn how to walk again. Um, and that was difficult. And uh, to this day, my leg will never be 100%. Um, I will always walk kind of funny, even though people don't really notice it. I notice it. 
but I, I know what it's like to be cabin fever for almost a year. So um, if you got to wait a couple of weeks, what's the big deal? You know. <laughs> hey, that's, well, how, that's how I well, feel about this time last year. Me, I was laid up and out of commission for a month. I go like this, so I'm like, yo, I got this. All my panic went out the last time, and I put I put a post on my my timeline last week. This time, I put out a post detailing what I went through. And who knows, maybe I had this a year ago because the doctors at that time didn't know what I had, to, to be honest. Uh-huh. And, and that scared me the fuck out. <laughs> I will say that in all honesty. They didn't know what I had. They finally settled and it was high blood pressure and pneumonia. That's what they did. But for the uh-huh. first two or three days, I had to be sequestered. And no one could visit me without a mask on because they didn't know what I had. That Listen, folks, whatever fear thing you got, the worst thing you could be is laid up in the hospital and hear the doctors and nurses either telling you or talking in hushed tones saying, we don't know what he got. <laughs> that, is, that is a scary feeling. Let me say something, Yeah, though. you know, in, in all, I was – let me say this, this quickly. No, I was, in, all, in all respect to you two gentlemen, in all respect to you two gentlemen, you two had legitimate, legitimate uh, concerns, legitimate issues, medical concerns. This is different than Nogs complaining that their edges are, not, are growing out. You talking about literally people? I mean, I'm just I gotta put you know me. I'm, I'm a more direct. I'm a little direct about this. There's a difference between having legitimate medical concerns and people going store crazy because their nails are growing and they, they want to go get a pizza and I got to get those edges tuned up. I mean, that's literally, literally what's causing people to go store crazy. There's some news report of some, some woman in Texas, a young woman. Uh, I think had to, she had to be arrested because she actually, I believe what's going out there is that she actually has COVID. But she's one of those young people that has it and seems to be able to walk around with it. But she's knowingly has COVID nineteen, and then she was and in, I think, in a Walmart. Some, and yeah, she went to a Walmart and was purposely, purposely coughing on people, purposely like doing some heinous effery. And she said, "I, I, if I get it, if I have it, everybody has to have." It. I mean, that's, that was literally what she said. So her craziness was. I'm going to infect people on purpose. So she's she's arrested for, for terroristic acts. Now, again, we're not talking about really that much time having passed. And, uh, you know, you, you two gentlemen were legitimately sick and legitimately, legitimately confined for quite some time, which I'm like, like a month has passed, if that much, and people can't handle it. I got to get my hair done. My edges are going out. And and the proof and the thing about this is now, I can never laugh at horror movie situations again, saying this won't happen in real life because we're living through <laughs> it right now. <laughs> I, I remember, Captain. That's the first thing I said to you. I went, Cap. Yep. I can never laugh at horror movies again, where the government ignores the experts. Something catastrophic <laughs> happened. Uh, I thought that catastrophic thing was going to happen yesterday with the earthquake. Go like you, you infirmed it, that, and now the earthquake happens. I thought that was it, but no, 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 no. What it, what is it is this, and pay close attention, folks. Michigan, 
California, uh, Florida, those places that had those, Wisconsin, those places that had those demonstrations saw their cases of COVID rise by 60%. That's all you need to know. Yo, listen to the experts. Stay your ass at home. Don't listen to the president. And, I, and you know how patriotic I am. Do not. By the way, by the way, can, can, can I read something? Without protection. Come on. Can, can I read on. something? Don't, don't give this anything. Don't give them any more father to use. This thing is the ultimate vulture. Whatever weakness you have in your system, this thing preys upon. Uh, Serge, before you go, Serge, before you, before you go, Serge, I want to mention this, and this, I'm, I got to put my foot down on this in this instance. If there was ever a reason, now, and I, I'm going to be more rabid, more defiant against Nagari than ever before post COVID. Now, let me let me make this clear. Uh, there's there's this this whole notion of you know we have to be careful. You know, Sergio and I we talk about this all the time. This whole careful speak about things that we know in our hearts to be true. When, when Lizzo comes on the scene and we have to defer to political correctness and we have to talk about fat shaming and all this and that, and we know, full, we know fully that, that that shape and, and being a morbid obesity is not something we should be raising to some kind of, some kind of desirable standard and that it's okay. People like that, even a young person like Lizzo, you may not make it out of these circumstances. I don't wish it that way, but you may not make it out of these circumstances. People like that are the ones that you see are being taken off the scene because of COVID. So what, sir, what, uh, what the Uncanny talks about, about having these underlying issues, obesity, diabetes, um, a high, blood, high blood pressure, all those issues, smoking and drinking, these are the things that, if you had them before, you're not going to do well with them. So to try to raise them to some kind of, it's okay, and it's okay for black people, mind you. I'm going to racialize it. Uh, the white folks aren't, aren't really promoting that. But if you're a fat, a fat person, a morbidly obese black person, you know, you, you know, honor your own self, speak your own truth, all that's being connected to morbid obesity, this is not the time. So when these women are trying to, and not, you don't see too many men, but when these women uh, women of color that are trying to promote morbid obesity as some kind of body positivity. There's nothing positive about it when you're in the grave. And that, that, well, the, this COVID, this COVID thing needs, should have concretely made that a non-starter. Go ahead, Daryl. Well, I'll say this because I gotta go. My my time is up, but I'll say that. Listen, when you bring up Lizzo, I will just say this: she's naturally big. All right, she's naturally big. She still has to perform on stage. She's still running around. She's still doing. She is fit and big, like a like okay. a, a, a <laughs> offensive lineman in football or something. Okay. You know, she's fit and big. She's used to the weight. Now, if you're sitting around on your couch just eating and not moving and getting big, that's what we're talking about. There's people that are naturally big that can hold the weight where it isn't putting a pressure on their heart. But if you're slim and you want to get big like that, there's ways to do it without being lazy about it. Yo, there's weight routines you could do. I'm not saying HGH. I'm not the Elroy's or anything like that. But understand, understand at this time, okay, at this time, 
all right? Don't do anything detrimental to your body because it paints a target on you, all right? Do everything possible to remain healthy. I cannot stress that enough. Guys, once again, thank you for the time. I got to go disappear into the ether, and I promise I won't kill any customers. Okay. Appreciate you, <laughs> Appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank you, Dallas. Stay safe. Stay safe. Um, okay. Uh, all right, Sergio, make your point, and then we're going to go to a groove, and then we're well, going to go to this. this, uh, this is, I, I, oh, I tweeted on. this article, too. Hold on one second. Hold on. Uh, after you speak, then we're going to go to a groove. Then we're going to talk about Babyface versus Teddy Riley. Go ahead. Um, go ahead, Sergio. Uh, this, this, this is this article. I tweeted it to Captain Kirk. Uh, it's, it's about this article about the herd in, 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 in a herd. Um, oh, gosh, what's the word? In, 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 oh, gosh. Immunity. Herd immunity, right? And this is a really interesting point. They said, in recent studies of antibodies, in Santa Clara in Los Angeles, test shows that whoever has been infected um, has already infected 40 to 50 times the number of people that have tested positive for current infection, implying that the mortality rate isn't much higher than the seasonal flu. It is bolstered by results of tests of the crew of the USS Roosevelt that revealed a majority of those infected were asymptomatic. If the virus is highly contagious, but not nearly as deadly as originally feared, then perhaps we have already gone through the worst. Now, um, Sweden uh, did not have a lockdown. They went on a herd immunity, and they announced that in two weeks they will say that the country has reached peak herd immunity. So, you know... I'm not saying this is not serious. I am not saying this is not serious. People think I'm saying that. But what I'm saying is that maybe, as as Bill Maher said on his show, Real Time, uh, last Friday night, you know, we got to start with a panic porn here, folks. Everything is panic porn going on, you know. If this whole we are going to die, it's got to stop. It, it's not helping anybody. Well, well, look. Um, before Donald just say this one piece, and then we we'll go to this groove. And when we come back, uh, we'll we'll get into Teddy Riley versus um, Babyface, um, that debacle slash uh, triumph. <laughs> the first time didn't go so well. The second time, I think, was an improvement. Anyway, uh, as I said before, and I respectfully disagree with the uncanny who's, who's entitled to his opinion. But this whole notion of being able to carry your weight. I mean, I, I've seen my fair share, especially going out here like uh, The Walking Dead trying to retrieve groceries and, and seeing, seeing morbidly obese, young, relatively young women of color or even pe- women who are white. Um, but, you know, look, the metrics are not in our favor. The notion that we, the notion that we approve of everything, I'm not, I'm not going to go out and, and not be conscious that it appears that, that blackness on some level is, it, is positioned as a dumping ground for failure. So when Adele loses her weight, uh, she does it quietly, and it's, you know, she wasn't putting – I said this before. She, she, doesn't, she wasn't appearing to put her weight out in front like, I'm this sex symbol, accept me. You know, she, just, she was using her talent, put her talent out first – 
and then she quietly lost the weight. There's been a number of women, I'm saying this culturally, white women culturally that I see in entertainment, they, they lost the weight uh, maybe to the chagrin of people that are into this pro-body uh, positive notion, but they lost the weight and then they went about their business. In the case of Lizzo, she's trying to convince us don't look, don't uh, ignore your eyes and ignore what what we know to be true as far as what weight condition weight conditions are about. Ignore all of that. I am the next Beyonce. No, we see now no. that people people like people who have that same body shape that I see walking around. These are the same people that they're getting caskets that the, the caskets are being ready for. They're ready getting the caskets for people with they're they're, tell, they're telling you. They are telling you that the people of color that have the obesity issues, like uh, Louisiana, New Orleans, as they say, not New Orleans, New Orleans, but New Orleans, where the the metrics are extremely high. I think they they are surpassing New York. They start seeing the the uh, they start seeing the actual chief denominators, and it's uh, more, uh, obesity. Mortal obesity, the smoking, the the high blood pressure, the diabetes—all that is is it's it's in the mix. So that now we're just we have to ignore this. We ignore this. We can't go there anymore. We just can't. Um, our healthcare system really can't afford to have people that are kind of nonchalant with their health. There's got to be a, a more of an emphasis post-COVID that you know what you're going to have to look at what you're eating. You're going to have to run around a little bit more. You're going to have to kind of have a little bit more, a little bit more consciousness about what you're putting in your mouth. Because at the end of the day, like when, when this goes down, you're not going to make it. And promoting Lizzo is really, is to our detriment, to black folks' detriment. Because Lizzo is, is really being the face of black people and not so much for white people. This is like, you know, they're not, white folks are not really promoting Lizzo for themselves. They're promoting it for you. <laughs> okay? So I, that's why I, I, I have a problem with that. That's just something I noticed. I'm not riding the Lizzo. No way. Anyway, let's go to this groove. When we come back, we're going to talk about this uh, babyface Edmonds, Teddy Riley debacle. This is Fishbone. Give you two and a half minutes. Properties of propaganda. Two and a half minutes. Let's groove.
hated to do that, folks. Uh, one of my favorite bands, ska, funk, metal bands, Fishbone, Properties of Propaganda. This is, you know what time it is, the midweek in review edition of Afternoon featuring Captain Kirk, oftentimes the uncanny Daryl B. You too can join in on the discourse. The call-in number, as always, 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. All right, so before we went to the mu- musical break, we were talking about, um, well, we were segueing <laughs> from my rant about Lizzo. Uh, and listen, to the listening audience, I, I not, I'm not into like shaming people for the sake of shaming people, but when you start to really see clearly in your face, when they tell you, well, morbid obesity, the smoking, uh, all these ills that are um, not in our favor with the metrics are taking us out, we can't. We got to stop it. We got to stop it. Anyway, all right. So uh, over the last couple of days, really for the last week and a half, there was a lot of hype connected to this versus TV IG thing. Now, what am I talking about? Well, starting with uh, Swiss Beats versus Timberland, that garnered a lot of attention on Instagram. We have these uh, these musicians, these classic musicians that have been around for quite some time, and because everyone, literally everyone, is on quarantine, uh, the creativity is starting to come out. So um, we saw that there was a lot of interest in seeing people with these kind of playfully combative musical contests, and it gets the, it gets the juices to flow. So you had that, you had, um, you had a RZA, the Wu-Tang Clan, famed producer, blurred uh, martial arts film uh, enthusiast versus the equally iconic DJ Premier. Both these gentlemen are prolific hip-hop producers who really, you know, with them and maybe a few others, you could say single-handedly, were, were responsible for the classic hip-hop period production-wise. Um, I would have liked Pete Rock to have been involved in that scene because these guys we all grew up on, and they uh, you really miss them <laughs> now c- compared to what we're listening to now. So uh, so anyway, you start to see this buildup of contests. So since Timbaland and Swiss Beats came up with this platform, they've been able to transition to like, okay, this is like a, like a real uh, Don King thing. We're going to set up a platform where we can get famed matchups to garner viewership on the Internet. So the last one that people were really talking about, the lead-in to it was very exciting, was Kenny Babyface Edmonds versus Teddy Riley. Both these guys, again, of of a certain period during the late 80s, early 90s, that uh, Teddy Riley is more intimately known for the New Jack Swing. But I would also put... Babyface in that same realm because they were making the same club music that I'm familiar with. That they, they had a similar sound and a similar space of of public interest. So okay, people were hyped up for this thing, and when it finally went down, there, there was jokes and memes galore. So I'm gonna open up the, open up the lines for people to discuss this. Uh, Captain, did you see? I th- I know I sent you a DM on IG about this thing. And we'll go into Roly Poly Martin's analysis on it. But what, do you, what were your thoughts about it 
the entirety of the versus TV thing, or may, and maybe even specifically about Babyface versus Teddy Riley. There was round one, and then there was round two. What 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 are your thoughts on this thing? See, I'm probably not the best person to ask because I really wasn't interested at all at the at this versus thing. But I would say DJ Premier one that was a very that was very good. That for that little bit I saw on that, that was good. That was a good exchange. Them two going at it, you know, with DJ Premier. But you know, I really wasn't into it. I was just like, yeah, that's cool. As they doing this, it's cool. But I really wasn't so much into it. Let it go, you know. That was pretty much with me. I just let all that go. Like whatever, that's cool. That's how I felt about it, and just move on. Now, as far as all that Teddy Riley and all these memes that they're doing. That's what the people are going to do on the internet. <laughs> Especially now, they're not going to, they don't have anything to do. That's the thing that they're going to do. You know, it was a flub. That's the best way to explain it. I like that word, flub. It was a flub as far as that's concerned. You know, things just wasn't going right altogether as far as that's concerned. And that's pretty much what I have to say about it. I wasn't hot and let heavy me, with it. Let me say this, though. I got I got I got I, I kind of sort of agree with you. I mean, I had, you know, I had a little, I will confess. I had a little bit of interest in it, but once the sound stuff started going wonky, I said, okay, I'm out. Like, they had my attention, but with, if you, you know, and I'm not like, I'm, I wouldn't say I, I'm an Apollo kind of, you know, the, the famed Apollo theater. You know, people know that if you don't come with it at the Apollo, you, you know, uh, Sandman, Sims will come out, and the whole nine. So um, the black audience is very much stereotypically perceived that way that if you don't come strong you will catch it so i'm not quite like that but i was like okay this is going really bad so i dipped right but um i i will say this there was a meme that i <laughs> i wish bison was here to see to, to, to argue with me about this thing but there was a meme that showed um a still picture of babyface and, and admittedly, Babyface was very cool. I mean, he has a kind of a cool demeanor, well-dressed and a whole nine. Yeah, that's his persona. So he had his legs crossed and probably had a Chardonnay in his hand, and that, he had literally kind of had that attitude about this thing. And someone said, that's Hampton. <laughs> and they showed a picture, <laughs> they had a picture of a very unprepared Teddy Riley, and he said, that's Howard. I said, okay. I said, I said now, okay, now this is making sense. I said, man, I said, this is making sense. I said, oh, my God. But black people are ingenious. See, we don't know how to yep. channel some of this stuff, but the, 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 the level of, of wit that black people are able to come up with in an instant is, is really indicative of, of high intellect. We just don't. We got it, as you say, Captain. We got it, but we don't got it. As you say, as you say, also indicative of intelligence. That's really that's really how black people are. We 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 if we're able to kind of hunker down in our own cultural, uh, 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 what's the word I'm looking for? Our own cultural currency. If black people are able to actually hunker down and accept their own cultural currency, we can really go to the next level. But there's so much self hatred and so much self doubt. You know, it's, it's like two steps forward, one step back. That's kind of how our community runs. But anyway, I, I thought it was funny. 
Um, Sergio, look, I don't know if this is your bailiwick because you're on the classical side of the game, and we got to talk about something about that also. I want to. There's something that happened that might not be that well known, but you and I went back and forth about this on DM. Uh, yeah. We'll talk about that. I'll talk about that afterward. But did you know? I'm sure you knew about this. You have any interest in this, or did you see any of this, or what? Not really. I really didn't know anything about it. I don't know how do people find out about it. I guess through the internet. Uh, it wasn't until after it happened. After I didn't even know there was a second one. After the first sort of battle, I started seeing all these tweets, or not tweets, or you know, Facebook posts about Teddy Riley and Babyface, and I was like. What what happened with Teddy Riley and Babyface? What, what's going on? And then I found out later they had the thing, and nobody liked Teddy Riley because he tried to do too much, and the production values <laughs> were shot. Teddy, <laughs> <laughs> they were shot, you know. And I go like, oh, jeez, you know. Um, yeah, all these things are going <laughs> going on. It's you're right. It's maybe out of my bailiwick. Um, and what happened recently, as you mentioned, I'll, I'll go into that later on, you know, because uh, I'm still getting comments about my, I'm still getting reactions about my comments. So uh, people are still very upset. <laughs> we we got to talk, we go, we're going to talk about it in a few minutes because we have to talk about that. Let me just, let me just close out a little bit on, on this baby face thing, um, bring it back home. So, uh, as I said, I did look at it, some of it, and um, what, what made it comical really was, uh, again, you had Kenny Babyface Edmonds, who he, he took it the way many would have expected to take it. In other words, look, everyone is at home. Even those, of, even those folks of means are at home. So uh, in his case, he was in a studio and just played his records. You know, he would just explain yeah. himself. And he played his records. He was very relaxed, had like a, a velour uh, jacket on. And he's just sitting down. Okay, so he was, you know, he already had the kind of that attitude, like, I got this. So he came with the persona. Um, and then you had Terry Riley, who was ready to go full production with this thing. And when he went full production, so when he went full production, you know, he had all the, he had the, he had the, all the cameras. He had the studio. He was ready. He he put on a fedora. He was ready to dance. You know, he was ready to go on on stage. He had his hype man. His hype man had a, a Philadelphia beard, uh, looking goofy. At like the memes on his side man was hilarious. Like when you like focused on him, he was doing this real. Flavor Flav looked more respectable than this guy. So, <laughs> so I mean, it, it just it was just pure comedy. And then again. Um, what made it even crazier was uh, Kenny Babyface is sitting back saying, "Oh, that's cute. Oh, that's cute. That's I, I see what you're doing. You know, like he was looking at him like, okay, you're just a clown. He clowned him, clowned him with this whole cool demeanor, and it didn't hurt that his sound was crystal clear. So when <laughs> when Babyface spoke and performed and threw on these threw on his ballads. He came off as the guy that was was cool, like he was James Bond. Uh, when it came down yeah. to Teddy Riley, Teddy Riley was all you heard was reverb and bad sound and some goofy bearded <laughs> nog going going crazy. It was a mess. It was a mess. Then I think if you're even in round two, from what I heard, I didn't really see round two. Round two, 
Babyface still had that same demeanor, and then he pulled out with an acoustic guitar, and, and you know, he, he looked like he was the guy. He, it, it, was, it was a mess. I think people suspected. See, this is, this is funny how these things work out. People, they, they, have, they take on their own, they take over their own uh, favorites. It's like, okay, this guy, the, the ones that are expected to win, Sometimes don't do that. <laughs> don't do that well. <laughs> same thing with same thing with RZA and DJ Premier. People assumed that DJ Premier was gonna was going to quote unquote body RZA. RZA kind of came out on top on that one. With Babyface, people assumed that you know people remember Blackstreet. They remember a uh, guy. They remember uh, uh, Teddy Riley's production of Dangerous, Michael Jackson's album. They thought he was going to he was the more dynamic performer. That dynamism with this goofy, goofy bearded Philadelphia style Negro <laughs> didn't <laughs> didn't it didn't work out it didn't work out that well it didn't work out that well so now it's just a, it, it's enough memes <laughs> let me tell you here's a meme the, the the iconic album the first guy album where everyone's rocking uh, 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 curled uh, curled fades they put that that crying crying Michael Jordan face place yeah. of <laughs> in place of Teddy <laughs> Riley and he, Michael Jordan who we know to be bald but this time with with, with the uh, <laughs> you know with the, with, with the picture they put him with the curl with Teddy Riley's curl and crying with Michael Jackson's face it was I mean the memes are just they're just unrelenting unrelenting <laughs> I'll, I'll just close, I'll close out on this Roly Poly Martin comes in, and you know he tries to be the serious arbiter. And I, you know, I, I I appreciate, even though I have my issues with his politics and how he plays. You know, he he's, he's kind of I'm not gonna go into Roly Poly, Roly Poly Martin, okay? But I appreciate his platform. I, I I like that it's there. I like that it is there. He did say something that I think we have to pay attention to. He said, "What would have happened?" Because he's he talking about hundreds of thousands of views. To see the to see these these matchups, when IG's platform clearly failed when it came down to this kind of thing, because he said rightfully so, black people do not realize and exploit their cultural currency, and again we come up where IG wins, you know, uh, Snapchat Snapchat wins. What would have happened if they garnered that interest and went to a versus, I think Versus actually has their own website. Why not even Teddy Riley has a website, Babyface has a website, or figure out some kind of, or even Black Planet has returns. Why not go to some of these platforms that where black people could actually capitalize on this traffic instead of always knee-jerk going to white corporate infrastructure? So I think, I don't know if black people will get that message, but they, they need to. In times of the COVID crises, I think it's pretty clear that we need to start capitalizing on these things for our own. This is just a survival time now. And I'll leave it at that. I'll leave it at that. All right, so let's, let's, <laughs> let's, let's segue into this other deal. So I'm, I'm going to open it up to, um, to, to you, Sergio. You sent me this DM about a week ago, maybe a week and a half ago. What exactly is going on with this young uh, black classical, uh, these young black, black classical musicians and this hip hop situation, explain it. Explain what's going on, and we'll unpack. 
Okay, so you've seen these challenges. You know, you probably it basically these videos where someone it looks, um, you know, dressed at home. They look kind of bummy. You know, they're wearing their you know home clothes. They got no makeup, and then they put yeah. something in front of the camera. You know, maybe a phone, a makeup brush, something. And when they pull back, um, they're all glammed up. There's mm-hmm. a whole bunch of them. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I saw one the other day with some with black women and their zaddies. Okay. You know they <laughs> put it. <laughs> you know. Explain to the audience what a zaddy is. Sometimes we're speaking a little too in house. I mean, I've used the term before, but explain what a zaddy is. This is a Tariq Nasheed. A zaddy is a, a zaddy is a, um, a, a, a the white boyfriend. For a black woman, you know, someone okay. who she thinks is a come up, you know. Okay. So then necessarily they have money, but the fact is that they're white. That's the main mm-hmm. thing. And they think they moved up, right? So okay. a fatty. Okay. There's a new one. It's like five minutes long. It's a long one. And you see these, you know, a black woman and her white boyfriend, and they look kind of bummy, and he puts something in front of the camera, and then when he moved back, they're all glammed up. Okay. So what happened is that these black they, they, on this website they uh, on Twitter they had these black classical musicians, and they made the point: we are black classical musicians. You know, we break you know the stereotype of mode of what black people can do, right? And they look like dressed up at home in the house clothes, like they're doing a uh, you know uh, rehearsing. You know, and then they put something in front of the camera, and then when it comes back, moves back, they're all glammed up like as if they're going to perform a concert on stage. All right. And, but the music they're playing on the video is hip-hop. Mm. And I, so I, I sent a tweet to the person who posted the, the uh, video, and I said, well, if you're black classical musicians... Why are you playing hip-hop on this video? Why aren't you playing classical music? Why aren't you performing classical music? And that set up a whole storm. You, yeah, how do you put this on down like that? We're in the session, we can play everything. How, you know, you denigrate uh, all kinds of music. Uh, you think that white classical music is superior, but you're calling yourself black classical musicians. <laughs> So play classical music. Like, you know, Shaco Kana Mason, okay, the cellist, the black cellist, and oh. his sister, you know, Ishashta, okay. Hold on, you want to remind the audience that that musician yeah. gained, claimed the yeah. fame was from the, the recent wedding. Well, yeah, he became famous because he played at the Royal Wedding. It's the first time people had seen him. But he's Meghan been around Markle's for wedding. a couple of years. Right. He's Make been around for wife, a couple right. of years. Mm-hmm. Right. He's been around for a couple of years. I met him like five years ago in London. I just saw him in this past December when he did a concert with his sister at Carnegie Hall, which was phenomenal. And, and uh, you know, he has record deals, and he's performing all over the world. Okay. So the whole family, all the brothers and sisters, are insanely talented. All right. So the sister, who's a pianist, was supposed to perform a Beethoven piano concerto at number three 
at Royal Festival Hall, and it, everything's been canceled. So what they did is they posted a video of the brothers and sisters performing a chamber version of the first movement of that piano concerto. And it's phenomenal. You can go anywhere you can find it. And I said, right, you're a black classical musician playing classical music. Uh, a, a good friend of mine is this young brother by the name of uh, Stuart Goodyear. And he is really one of the best up and rising classical pianists in the world. I mean, he has already recorded all 32 Beethoven piano sonatas. And there are, there are uh, pianists who don't even approach that until they're like in their 50s. This brother's in his 30s, early 30s, I think. And he, um, he has recorded all of them, all 32 of them, and that's like a nine-CD set. And he's just come out with the five Beethoven piano concertos. He has many other recordings. He performs over the world. He's been posting videos of him performing classical music during this whole shutdown. Every day he posts a new one. Okay, these are black classical musicians, and they're, posting, they're showing they're playing classical music. How come these people got to play hip-hop? And then when I called them out on it, they attacked me. And I That's was how like, it works. Well, yeah, and I, <laughs> That's so how it like, works. Okay, you're trying to, no, the way you appeal to younger people is you play classical music, and hopefully you'll bring them in. Not like, oh, we're going to play hip-hop. What good is that? Because you're holding up a violin or a clarinet, that doesn't mean anything. Yeah, well, that's just it, then it becomes just an aesthetic, then, doesn't it? Like, are they are yeah. they just doing the aesthetic, or are they actually are they? How will we know you are classical musicians if you're not performing the music, or at least highlighting? Yeah, how the do music? you know? Well, you look. I, I, it doesn't mean anything. Let me say this, um, and I I told you this uh, in DM when we had a conversation, direct messaging. That there's, there's something. I mean, look, I'm not. I don't want to get into the generational uh, diatribes all the time because some, sometimes it's not just generationally. Sometimes it's just sometimes how our people to be tribal, how we how we get down, and I think some of us aren't aren't kind in taking an L. You know, uh, the the colloquial losing. We don't want to take an L. And I, and I see it – I'm starting to see it acutely with some of the millennial crew that when you tell them something or you bring up something that is a clear – like it's not even in dispute. I mean it's pretty clear. If you are highlighting your classical musicianship, especially being a black classical musician, and that whole context is look at me. I'm the anti-stereotype. You can't be right. highlighting black classical musicianship and then playing – uh, and, and then playing little little pimp, little pimp, little pe- a little pump. Pardon me, little pump, whatever. One of the littles. You can't play one of the littles in the background, and then talk about, hey, look at me, I'm a black classical musician. And when you called them out on that, instead of taking the L and say, you know what, you got a point. No, 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 no. Why can't we do what? Why can't we be cosplay? Now this is beyond cosplay. Everything is in cosplay. This is the first time, and I will say that I could write a di- I could write right a dissertation on how the, I see this present generation somewhat kind of a, a this is like the cosplay generation. We don't have to be 
concretely something, we can pretend. <laughs> yeah. You know, we, we like we know everything we everything we see with our eyes, all of our senses tell us something, but don't believe your eyes, your ears and your nose. I'm telling you because I just think that way. This is cosplay cosplay nineteen ninety nine. I mean, no. <laughs> No, some some things have to be, if you're presenting yourself in a certain way, honor your presentation. And I think that's fair. But instead of talking, instead of being being real with it, now it's like, I don't have, I don't, don't call me out on my stuff. I don't have to be, I don't have to be a a classical musician, even though I say that I am, I'm going to play this hip hop stuff. I mean, you're you're defeating, you're defeating what you're trying to promote. It seems, it seems kind of antithetical to me. But you know, if you if you call him out on that, you're the bad guy. That's another thing too. We see we see um, the white version of that. We see the we can flip it to how kind of how some of the white races are getting down. Uh, there's this thing now. I think Tariq Rashid put this out there. Did you see this thing, thing Sergio about? Uh, there's a woman who is contesting the word Karen. You know, some people are using you know Karen as a pejorative for white. Uh, of uh, you know whiteness or white female power that Car- she said that Karen is the same as the N word, and she really doubled yeah, down I've heard on that. that. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that. Yeah. So, so now, if you call out racism, if you if you are the the victim of racism, if you are the sufferer of racism, when you call out the racism, you your calling out the racism makes you racist. It's kind of the same thing. Now you can't call out what we. Now you can't even claim to be the 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 responder or the respondent of something. You're not. You can't respond to something now. Now, if you do, no, you're the racist. <laughs> I mean, you know, I, and, and something else the about these. Something else about these musicians. I I tweeted. You know, one of my responses was. If you're a black classical musician, why aren't you playing then? Why don't you play, like, maybe Mozart? Why don't you play Stravinsky? And that really set them off. Some would say, oh, Mozart Stravinsky, who do you think we are? And I go, like, okay, then why don't you play some black classical musicians? Why don't you play George Walker? How about Florence Price? How about Adolphus Hailstock? How about Shirley Hamilton? Why don't you play some black classical musicians from the past or the present? And then their response was, oh, well, uh... Yeah, well, we could play them if we wanted to. Well, no, I bet you never even heard of them. Have you even heard of Adolphus Hillstock? I bet you haven't. You know, have you even played George Walker? Who's con- I mean, this is a guy who won two Pulitzer Prizes for his music. Um, do you ever play his music? He wrote a lot of chamber music. He wrote symphonies. He wrote concertos. You know, he just only died two years ago at the age of 97. You know, Shirley Hamilton is a contemporary black British composer. You know, she's written many works. Why don't you play some of her stuff? You know, no, they're playing hip-hop. You can't, I mean, that's all you know of black music? Really? Well, look, you know, uh, one of our chief proponents at Africa Radio, and, and to my chagrin, really, is that we are literally leaving money on the table by not exploring the, the full capacity of the black experience. You know, uh, this is someone from someone who grew up on hip hop music. I mean, initially I grew up on on jazz music, as, as the listening audience knows. But because of you know, look, I'll be, I'll be frank. 
because of my formative teenage years, when hip-hop was out there, I kind of conceded a little bit to hip-hop, but I did it very begrudgingly. I will, I will admit, I, I was a, a, a hip-hop person that was fighting it because I was raised on Stanley Turrentine and, Stanley Turrentine and Miles Davis and, and Coltrane, and, and, and it was very difficult and also, I played music. You know, the, the, this is something that um, Mr. Starks and, and myself, we talk about this all the time. You know, we were, in a, we were in a high school band. We had to read music. We had to play. I mean, I didn't play that well, <laughs> but I did take lessons in drumming and a whole nine. So you have a different – I listen to music with a different ear. And, you know, practicing a, an instrument is not easy. Now, I regret – now, I took lessons, and I regret that I didn't take them more seriously. But um, – when you when you when when the hip hop thing first came out, it took me a while to appreciate some of the complexity and some of the some some of the um, brain work and, and some of the leg work involved with 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 at least classical I should say classic hip hop music. I think it's a different thing now. I don't think it's, I don't think it's at the level, the lyricism, whatever. But I, I still didn't put it in the same place as trained musicianship. You know, to, to be a Miles Davis who studied at Julia, Juilliard for for a few years and that kind of thing, um, the the uh, Ellis Ellis the late Ellis Marsalis and the Marsalis family like those are real musicians. But I've conceded to like, look, I respect some of the the classic hip hop artists because I was raised on that too. But if you're not going to promote it, because uh, I respect a lot of about classical music because we know that. Winston Marsalis is a he's a he won Grammys when he first came out at the age of twenty. You know this at the age of twenty, he won Grammy a Grammy for the classical and the jazz category. So that kind of piqued my ears for those who can perform classical music. Um, this is not the time to kind of lessen that, but I do I do have a problem with how how the identity of black people has been so co-opted to such a full so full throttle for hip-hop music it should be an aspect of it we're, we're more complex more ingenious than that we're larger than that but it seems like it's easier for people to deal with us when they treat us as a very simplified folk any kind of people this is one thing that that, that and I'll, I'll close out on this um karen hunter I, you know I, I've, I've spoken to karen hunter as a, as a caller on her show many times and, uh, you know, she kind of frustrates me, so I don't really call anymore. But uh, I remember when uh, my fellow Hamptonian, who has a show on Sirius, Dr. Wilmer, Wilmer Leon, he is a big, big, big jazz aficionado. And she clowned him one day. I think somebody, somebody kind of, uh, one of her listeners kind of critiqued her and felt like, you know, she plays a lot of quote-unquote old-school hip-hop music. And I guess he felt, she felt, he felt like, well, why don't you do what Wilmer Leon does? And then, you know, that, that's not really a fair question. I mean, she's entitled to do the show she wants to do. She is entitled to it. But then she clowned Dr. Leon because, you know, she pretended to do some kind of fake scat, some skate, fake, fake scatting noises. And she was clowning the fact that Dr. Leon plays, plays jazz music. Of course, later on, somebody critiqued her and said, oh, you know, you, may lay, you better lay off on the, on the jazz thing. And, and the thing of it is, and I think you would agree, um, Sergio, the reason why you have, to, you have to hold jazz music in a certain category is for several reasons. One, it is truly America's 
an American invention. A black, mm-hmm. um, it's an American invention, not, and it's also a black American invention. It's America's, really America's sole musical invention. Blues, jazz, uh, rock and roll, race music, all that. Right? So that, that could be, but not only that, but, when, but at a time when there was a, a, a belief, and it's, that belief is still, still around, when there was a belief that black people are um, intellectually inferior, and this is this is this is why it's important to hold jazz in a certain regard. There's no way, there's no way, with the with the sophistication of jazz music, and the proficiency proficiency that's required to play it. There's no way that a uh, an inferior race can create could have created that. So when jazz music first came out. From the uh, from from the from the brothels of Storyville, Louisiana, people don't people fail to re- realize that jazz music is really the first street music. Also, when we think about hip hop as being street music, well, think about music being come, being played in the brothels of Louisiana. Uh, that people that were supposed to be coming from that were sl- former slaves and all of that. Uh, regressive and all, all that, that belief that black folks, you know, we, we're lower intelligence. How do you explain lower intellect people creating music that now is being played before kings and queens and being taught in some of the most esteemed universities all over the world? But comes from brothels. Anti-intellectual people cannot create that. So Karen Hunter was out of pocket for kind of clowning the one art form that we could say, look, you can't really call black folks uh, apes and simians because simians can't come up with this kind of thing. That's one of the things that I was. I, that's one of the things I, I don't think she's aware of that. And once again, another example of our own people not appropriately honoring our, our cultural inventions and cultural sophistication and cultural currency. Clearly. What 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 are your thoughts about that, Sergio? So you're a classical guy. No, I absolutely agree with you. I absolutely agree with you. I think that um, um, let's see how can I phrase this? Um, there is this sort of and I, okay. First of all, let me say, starting up before I say this, when I was younger, I experienced this too. But the idea that you keep having to prove your blackness, even though you're interested in things which are not considered to be black, right? When I was a kid, you know, I got into classical music when I was 10 years old. It got me. And, you know, when I was in school, grammar school or particularly high school, it was a secret. I didn't want people to know because, gee, you know, everybody else is listening to everything else, and I don't want people to know that I'm listening to classical music. I don't want to, you know, get, you know, the um, uh, attack for it. And um, as I got deeper and deeper into the music and as I got older, I came to a point that said to hell with it. This is me. This is what I like. You don't like it too bad, you know. I'm not here to please everybody. But I still think there is an attitude by a lot of black people that there is a shame, that even if you're involved in it, there is a shame. I'll give you an example, okay, uh, that that 
link I sent you to that movie. What, I forgot the name of it. The, the the one that was directed by the co-writer oh, yeah. of Black Panther. Okay. We, you okay. Know, we need to talk about that, too. We need to talk about that, too. Okay. Okay. Here's a movie that's written and directed by the guy who co-wrote Black Panther. Because of the success of that movie, he had clout. He could really have made anything he wanted to make because of the success of that film. You think that Ryan Coogler, is, he's out doing his own thing. What's, what's the name of that comic book? Bitter Root. He's, he's going to do Bitter Root. Look at, um, look at um, um, oh gosh, what's his, um, um, Barry, uh, Barry Jenkins. You know, he's just now completed his, his uh, HBO, no, is it for HBO? His HBO series, The Underground Railroad, by uh, Colin um, Whitehead. You know, which is you know a whole surrealistic alternative universe, almost sci-fi thing, dealing with the underground railroad. Um, they're doing creative, and incredible things. Look, but you know, here's a guy who wrote, was involved in the success of Black Panther, and what does he do? He does the tiredest, nagas crap you can imagine. <laughs> yeah. Like, what is it? This is like 1992. I mean, is this the Gang banging, drugs, prison, baby mamas, and I go like, you got to be kidding me! Like it's like, despite the success he's had, he is there something internally, it's eternal in him that says, I got to prove my bona fides, I got to show people that I'm really down, I'm black. You could have made anything. You could have yeah, made. You know, I was just reading about. I was I was just reading about uh, Gina Blythe, uh, Gina Price Blythewood, right. and she just finished some seventy million dollar Netflix movie, which it says it's based on an uh, image comic book. I'm sorry, I forgot the name of it. But she, I've read this interview with her where she's talking about you know she's doing this huge seventy million dollar comic book movie, and and. And I go like, okay, she's thinking beyond, you know, what black filmmakers are supposed to be doing. This guy does this? And I go like, what the hell? Well, I tell you what, um, I want to take another break. We've got about 45 minutes remaining. So once you take this break, I want to go back into that a little bit. Actually, there's two things I want to talk about. I want to talk about the movie you're referencing to the listening audience, which Sergio's talking about. It's this movie called All Day and a Night. All day and yeah, night. Yeah, okay, that's it. Yeah. And, and that's Jeffrey Wright, who I, I, I love Jeffrey Wright. I mean, he's a. He, did he pay a Basquiat? Uh, he, I think he portrayed him yes, at one he time. Did. That's he? what made his name. That's what and made I, his I, name. I, look, I'm digging, look, I'm digging the fact that he um, it plays the, a black android. On uh, Westworld. I think Westworld's actually starting to. I mean, you know, look, I love Westworld anyway. I know it drags a little, but. Um, uh, why am I? Why am I forgetting uh, the the actress that's always <laughs> Coco Brown nude <laughs> on that? <laughs> what's that, what's her name? Um, uh, uh, Sandy Newton. Sandy Newton. Ah, yeah. How could I forget? Sandy Newton. Uh, she's in there. So they 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 played androids. I mean, you know, look to to think in a meta way, and even um the one you don't like <laughs> also is on there. Sergio in in Westworld. She was in. Uh, Sorry to bother you. Uh, yeah, um, Janelle, um, Janelle uh, Tessa, Tessa Thompson. Right, right. So, uh, 
for him to and look, he plays this, he plays this, the, the the famed spy in the James Bond franchise. I mean, look, I, I give him credit for doing a lot of pretty expansive work. Um, now he's playing a thug with braids in tow. Well, we'll get into it, but um, it, it was really kind of just it was kind of disturbing to see. Like, okay, this this looks like some kind of Boys in the Hood redux. And actually, I like Boys in the Hood for what it was. I think it's a classic, but it's a 30-year-old classic. And it looks like it's yeah. Boys in the Hood 2020. I mean, we've been down this road before. Even with the running, you know, he's running, and it's just, it's just, it's just full of stereotypes. And I'm like, okay, come on now, really? It was so oh. tired and so cliched, and you say... I've seen this movie a hundred times already. And, you know, Boys uh-huh. in the Hood has not aged well at all. It's a good film for its time. And even was a menace to society, which at the time I saw was a better movie. But uh, those films have not aged at all very well. So why are you trying to repeat it? Let's, let's, go dig, let's dig into that when we come back. We'll take this quick break, Sergio. We're going to talk about that. And I also want to talk about this weird Georgia racist concoction that these two uh, white students made. It was like something they did. They put on TikTok or something. Where if you now oh, TikTok, that thing. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so it was it was so. I mean, look, I, I I'm kind of immune to this kind of thing. I just I don't I don't have the same um, emotional investment when these people do these things. I, I I think maybe when I was really young, maybe it might have bothered me, but it's been so long since I, since I've actually been bothered by it. I, if, if I am if I am bothered by it, it's not about the racism. It's about just the stupidity of it. I, I don't like low frequency ish. Whether whatever the whatever you you come in, whatever you when you do stupid stuff where your brain power seems like you you could barely move, lint. I I can't ride with you. I know I know the nogs are more they get they have more of an emotional they get emotional. I just I just I just look back. I'm I'm Spock. I'm really literally black Spock. I look, and it's just, all I say is fascinating. <laughs> I'm at that level. I'm just at that level. I'm not bragging, but I don't feel anything. I, I'm numb to it at this point. Anyway, we'll talk about that, and we'll talk about this uh, all day and all night Netflix. Quick two-minute groove. We'll be right back. Folks, you're listening to the bit we can review. The gang is all here. You, too, can join in. 646-915-9620. Again, 646-915-9620. So this cut is an interpolation from the famed Fela Kuti. But it, it's his scion, Femi Kuti, famed Nigerian musician. So Femi, Femi Kuti uh, and D'Angelo got together to do his father's cut, Water, No Get Enemy. Water, No Get Enemy. Two minutes. We'll be right back. Let's groove.
Some of the voices, of course, D'Angelo is featured on this, as is Macy Gray. Again, water, no, get enemy. Let me say something quickly, and I've, you know, you know, I've said it before. I wish maybe the second go around, whenever, when or if, when or if we will ever see a movie in a theater setting again, and I mean that seriously. If we're able to see Black Panther two which is already scheduled for 2022, which might end up being 2025. I don't know. I have no idea. I would have wished that they would have kind of laid off of the Kendrick Lamar soundtrack and allowed for someone like a Nigerian instrumentalist, uh, Fela Kuti music, which would have been a no-brainer. It would have been a no-brainer to have a Fela Kuti jam in an African based movie uh, as as maybe even African American uh Afrofuturism like George Clinton. Imagine what imagine what that would have been versus well this is what we talked about before. You blacks we're gonna give you we're gonna give you your Afrofuturism, but we also know what we know you blacks. So you we better have some hip hop in there. In spite of the fact that this is an this is an Afrofuturistic tale. This is me going on a rant. It just makes sense. When it's time for Thor to have his day, you made sure Led Zeppelin Zeppelin did Immigrant Song. It made sense. It's an ode to Norse mythology. It made sense. When it's you, we're going to give you Lizzo, and we're going to give you hip-hop. That's the connection that I'm making. I'm sorry. 
I just see these. These. This is what I see. All right, enough of the rant. So uh, let's let's bring back the great Sergio Mims. You two can come in and and, and check us out. Six four six nine one five nine six two zero. Six four six nine one five ninety six twenty. All right, so Serge, you know, we were going in a little bit about this, and it really ticked me off because from what I saw, this trailer was so like stereotypical, and when you and I could barely get through the trailer because I'm just like beyond this kind of stuff. I have absolutely no interest in like really noggish movies. There's another Netflix thing, uh, Coffee and Kareem. I no, it just it just plays. It looks so much like a formula. At least try to fool me. <laughs> okay. But I think you you were talking about, um, as far as the screenwriter, Joe Robert Cole. Joe Cole okay, yeah. was, the was the gentleman that w has co-writing credit on the Black Panther. So because of – and also, look, he was you know, the People versus O.J. Simpson. Uh, I think he was with the uh, American Crime Story. So this guy's done some rather prolific stuff. Anti-Nog stuff, in theory, and then he comes right around to the Trust and True. The Trust and True is doing, you know, redux of Boys in the Hood or Minister Society all day and a night is this thing that's coming up on May 1st on uh, next, next month on Netflix. And let me just read this. This is from Wiki. It's, <laughs> this is what it says. Premise. A young criminal arrives in prison as he looks back on the days preceding his arrest and the circumstances of his childhood to find clues to his way forward in life and his survival. Yahya Abdul-Mateen, who we know to be, uh, he was in Watchmen, and he's Mr. Man Dr. Manhattan himself, Dr. Manhattan himself, and Black Mantis himself, Jeff, the great Jeffrey Wright, Regina Taylor, uh, you know, you have some pretty legit people involved in this thing. And yet, I guess, look, COVID crises, maybe the bills are hard. <laughs> you tell me. What, what what the hell, Sergio? I'm tired. I, I don't know. It is tired. By the way, Gina Price Blythewood film is called The Old Guard. Mm -hmm. um, the Old Guard. It's based on an image comics book. Um, with Chelowell Elafor and Charlie Theron. Uh, so that I guess they'll be coming out later towards the end of the year, I suppose. Um, as, as for this project, I don't, you know, Robert Cole, I, I can't explain it. You know, with his background and the clout he has, he could have made anything. He could have been adventurous. He could have, you know, done something really unique. Um, he could have done a sci-fi movie. He could have done a black horror film. Um, he could have done a drama, he could have done a war film, he could have done anything he wanted. Why he decided to do this, and just by that description you just said, I go like, oh, brother, I have, this is tired. This is so tired. I don't know. I mean, I wish I could talk to him to ask him why he felt he had to do this particular project. Um... I don't know. I'm just clueless. Sorry. I wish I had an answer for you, but I don't. Captain, any thoughts about this? I mean, you know about the business side of things. I mean, this was a Netflix deal. So to be able to, 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 be able to garner a deal, is it possible that you've got to go to this, tr this tried-and-true kind of trope in order, in order to get a deal? Is, I mean, I, is that still what's going on? 
sometimes, sometimes they won't accept the movies. Even if you have the movie done, sometimes they'll say, you guys made this? They do, they do that sort of thing. No, they don't accept it. Now, maybe if he was a Japanese guy and you say, oh, look at that. He looks real artistic. Yeah, he could definitely do that. Yeah, we'll buy it from you and we'll push this out. Sometimes they do not want your ideas from certain type of people. I would say a third of the time it's like that. Like I remember, I think I think it was uh, Sergio had said, uh, "What was what's the guy that, that's supposed to be hot now? Um, that comedian, he was a comedian. He used to do all them little little stupid jokes. It was, I thought they were really stupid. Man. He had a partner, and then you get Jordan Peele. All right. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. And, and Sergio had said, "How does this this jokey guy do his comedian stuff? All of a sudden now he becomes a horror guy." Or whatever he's doing, these type of movies. He probably always wanted to be that guy, and they didn't accept okay. it. He had to go do the stupid uh-huh. stuff first, and then he was able to slide. Now that you're in that space, let me slide to the other stuff. Yeah, that's what happens, man. About a third of the time, that's what happens. Definitely. That's what it is. You, you know what? You, you might be honest. I, I, I think what you're saying is very plausible. I think unfortunately yep. we're still we're still working in a certain environment where it's it's always a fight to portray black people in some kind of uh, unnatural setting, unnatural to them, unnatural setting. Like right. I'm, I, I don't know, you know what? I don't know. I think I did. I think I did mention this. I'm going to repeat it again. I don't know. Uh, I think Serge just said he might start to take a look at it. Uh, they're on a hiatus because of the COVID thing, and I just I. I feel ashamed that I didn't really know about this uh, the CBS All Access series, um, the Good Fight, and and, and Sergio especially because it's it's based on a Chicago a black Chicago law firm and their access to power. But since when have we seen a a serious movie or TV series that focuses on such the such uh, on such a thing as a majority black Law firm. So I was appreciative, and then on top of that, you have some pretty, you know, you have uh, Audra McDonald, you know, you have some pretty tight people involved in it, and I think it's gaining some popularity. I think more people are starting to realize people are starting to realize that it's quite good. But I, I think it's also uh, dangerous. That show is huge. That show is huge. I have seen some episodes. Uh, you'd forget Delroy Lindo, who right, Delroy, is really good in the show. And then there's his. Uh, this is really attractive uh, black British actress, Kush, Kush Gumbo, Kush? Um, Big Gumbo. Yeah, Kush Gumbo, something. She's, she's uh, quite phenomenal. I know for a fact that last year in London she did, she played Hamlet. So she's no joke. She is no joke, right? So uh, I have seen some episodes of that, and I know it has a huge following, huge following. People love it. Um, yeah, so, I, I mean, there is stuff out there, um, something you got to look for it. But particularly now, because when you have so many filmmakers, well, you have Jordan Peele's and you have um, Boots Riley, of course. I, You know, what is he up to? And... Um, other black directors who I said the great thing is that they're breaking the norms. They're saying, like, let me do something else. Well, don't stick me in this box. I want to do something else, 
right? Um, you know, as I mentioned before, uh, Ryan Coogler. Um, they're all trying to break out of the box, you know. Um, even established directors like, you know, F. Gary Gray, you know, he's trying to do something else. I mean, okay, Men in Black International, whatever they're called, you know, that was a disaster. But at least he was trying to do something else, right? Um, uh, so for this guy to go back and do the same old, same old, that's practically 20 years out of date, you're like, what the hell? I mean, what is it? Well, the good I fight, guys, I'm really I'm, – go ahead, go ahead, Cap. i got to tell you guys a story. I'm going to tell you a story. Yeah, go ahead. Hilton, Mr. Zombie with a shotgun guy, he uh, came up with this idea, and he started doing a story. And he even got a solicitor that knows all the big wigs, and they loved the story. They were like, oh, my God, this is amazing. This is a moneymaker. And Hilton even got his pitch down really well. And then the solicitor was saying, well, this part here doesn't make any sense. He said, yes, it makes plenty of sense. She started saying, no, it doesn't make sense. The part that she was talking about, because she's a white woman, show you the thinking sometimes. She said, there's no way in like a 1700, which is a lie, of course, that a guy would have, you know, this white man is going to go have sex with this Spanish person and have an illegitimate what? kid. And this person, illegitimate kid, and this person comes into prominence like you have in this story. So that wouldn't happen. He said, what? Of course it would happen. People have off-the-road kids all the time. You don't claim them, but they have off-the-road all the time. White people were banging some blacks, other people also, too. That's, that's real stuff. That's in the history. You know, a lot of times they didn't claim them. You find out 100 years down the line, well, your great-grandfather was a white man or something like that, and she she just couldn't believe it. She was like, no, you can't. You got to change that part. You got to change that part. doesn't oh, work. doesn't work. On. Hilton stood his ground. He's like, nah, man, I'm not changing anything, man. Sorry, man. You just won't be the person to shop it for me. He just stood his ground. But that just shows you the mentality sometimes. That is the mentality. Well, the story's great. But it's not for you guys to do it. <laughs> uh. I mean, well, first of all, what, 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 the first of all, what she said was ahistorical, because there, 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 yep. there are none, and all of us know this. There, there are a number of stories of of That's people right. of of, uh, of uh, mixed heritage that was un- unbeknownst and and all kinds of. Illegitimacies. I mean that, that, that the the uh, arist- the aristoc the aristocracies and the monarchies, especially in Europe, are rife with those stories. Rife, especially especially <laughs> Spanish the Spanish mon- monarchy and the French monarchy. Right. There, there are plenty of plenty of stories that we know about. It's not like he, what he said was out of pocket. No, it wasn't. Was it? But that shows you the mentality, though. Shows you the mentality, man. Well, the menta- the, the the problem is, it's always. I mean, you have a culture with, with, you know, the corporate culture, but it's also like just one person that they yes. they don't get it because of their own ignorance. Yep. I mean, wasn't there yep. some story? I think even even um, Sergio mentions wasn't there a story that was out there not that long ago that we found out that they believe that uh, uh, what was it? Some they thought that a person they wanted someone to to portray a white person. To, I think Harry Tubman. Wasn't like an idea for Harriet Tubman to be made into a movie, but they wanted a white person to play Harriet Tubman, something goofy like that. 
Well, Isn't yeah, the story, the story was that when they tried to pitch the project at first, this was years <laughs> ago, one, one of the a studio executives said, why don't you get Julia Roberts for the part? And, you know, the writer said, you don't get this, you know. It, it's possible to have Julia Roberts. And the studio executive said, well, it was like a long time ago. Nobody remembers that back then. Oh, well, 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 how how would there got to be some accuracy, man? Come on, man. <laughs> or I'd give you a more recent example. Look what happened with the disastrous uh, self-made, the movie about uh, uh, you know Madame Walker. Madame Walker. And I yeah. go like, what is this? This is a travesty with the hip hop music and the boxing things, and it was so inaccurate particularly with Annie Malone, or Monroe, as they called her, with this whole evil light skin Color, thing. And I go like this. Colorism and all so, that. Yeah, well, this is so ridiculous. It's like, I mean, what got me angry was that everything, a lot of times, okay, most biopics are, are not real, I mean, are not historically accurate, but this was disrespectful. I mean, they had no respect for Walker or for Malone or for any of the characters. It was just so totally disrespectful. And I'm like, well, you know, the clue was, I think Captain said this, the clue was that it said, inspired by the story of Madame C.J. Walker. Hmm. He stole the story of Madame C.J. Walker. And I go like, well, there you go. They, I mean, they weren't even interested in historical accuracy in the first place. I don't know why then did you make it. Why then did you make it? Well, you know, Cassie Lemons was behind both of those things. You know, Cassie Lemons was behind Harriet Tubman, Harriet, and she was also behind the Madam C.J. Walker uh, story. I know. And the whole and the whole notion, even when they had you know Tiffany Haddish as Alilia Walker. And Tiffany, you know, Leo Walker was the creme de la creme of the Harlem Renaissance with the Dark Tower and everything. I mean, I don't want to rehash that because, you know, I love that, type, that, that period of, of black history. And, and, boy, would it be something, Sergio, to see some kind of uh, full-length, multiple, multiple season. You don't have to do a multiple season series on the Harlem Renaissance. And, and, but, you know, and, and it could be good if done the right way. I mean, that's, that would be my dream. But but beyond that, you can't have a you can't have a Cassie Lemons do it because they, she would be be putting things in there just because to make Olivia Walker. This is, this is no shade to the uh, LGBTQ community. It's no shade. It's just a matter of accuracy to make Olivia gay when there's really really no evidence of that. There was no evidence of it. She was married like three or four times. So I mean, yeah, and also it, the it, other it, thing was that. Um, um, Madame C. Days Walker, great granddaughter, who you know wrote the book that the, uh, the the series was supposedly based on. Uh, I forgot to send you this. She she made a a Facebook. She she printed a a, a Facebook post about the uh, about self made, in which she basically disclaimed it. She disclaimed it. She said, "This is not." She said, "I don't know what this is. This is not." Anything I recognize that um, it was very long, and unfortunately she had no power over the script or the director, and uh, it was basically telling people that don't blame me. I had no power over this thing except he brought the rights to my book. Um, 
we had a screenplay at one time, but that was rejected and rewritten. And uh, I basically, she well, she didn't say the word disown, but she that's basically what she meant. That she basically said this is not what I attended. Uh, maybe one day there will be a film made on my great-great-grandmother, which would be more accurate. But um, she's ashamed. She was ashamed well, look, by the project. She said, this is, not, look, this is not it. Look, we went through this, if you remember, about a year and a half ago, almost two years ago, with Green Book and the story of jo- Dr. Don Shirley. It's just, and the family, yeah. you know, I, I was, um, you know, again, my, my uh, co um, colleague or co-Hamptonian, Dr. Wilma Leon, had interviewed the Shirley family twice. Again, especially because um, he was, you know, look, he played more acutely uh, classical music, but he's also a jazz musician holding uh, multiple doctorates and a whole nine, uh, living on top of Car- Carnegie Hall and that kind of thing. Uh, he was, um, you know, certainly a, a man, uh, a Renaissance man. So when the driver in that movie, the drivers, it was from the family of the driver's perspective. It was driving Miss Daisy in reverse. And they said that, you know, it was really was a farce. Like all that stuff was just, just kind of hyped up. Like are you telling the man's story or are you just kind of like just fantasy? Like fantasizing real events to such a degree where where it appears to really – not be necessary. Like, why the lies when the truth is equally as compelling? That's the part, and it seems to be just the way, it's the way Hollywood conducts itself. That's the part that's just kind of heartbreaking. And I think, even though I felt a certain way, having listened to those interviews and listened to the Shirley family really talk about who Dr. Shirley really was, um, and to see it kind of repeated now, it really is something that's really like major for me that why, when it comes to time to finally tell black non-nog stories, that even, even then we can't get the real. Why is, it, why is it so harmful to get, I'm going to say it has to be some embellishment, but it's, so, it's, a little too, it's a little over the top where it's like complete fantasy. You might as well have Obi-Wan well, Kenobi in the back. You, you might as well... You, Hold on, you might as well have Obi-Wan Kenobi in the backseat with Dr. Shirley. You might as well. <laughs> well, I, I mean, it goes back to who controls the images. You know, this was a movie written by white people, directed by white people, made by white people. Um, I know, well, she has passed away now, but I knew someone who was a very close friend of Dr. Shirley. Uh, her niece is, a, is one of my longtime friends, and she met Dr. Shirley several times when she was younger. And when she saw Green Book, she told me she almost threw up. You know, I mean, she was so upset because that was not the Dr. Shirley that I know. It was not even remotely the man that she knew or her aunt knew. Um, it was a total fabrication. And once again, it goes to who owns the images. You made a very valid point earlier in the show. Um, why didn't the, te- the, the, the Teddy Riley and Babyface battle? Wasn't that why? Why was that on a? Why wasn't that on a black platform? Should have been, you know. Um, once again, you know, Captain is right. We got it till we don't got it. You know, we got it. Oh, we got it, then we don't got it. Um, you know, we keep missing the boat here, folks. We keep missing the boat. You know. 
Uh, and then sometimes, you know, when we do have it, in the case of, you know, uh, Madam C.J. Walker, uh, we still don't have it. <laughs> I don't know. We're oh, we just got we, uh, well, yeah, in the middle of a pandemic, no less. Okay, so so we we have about 15 minutes remaining, so I do want to touch on this thing. And, again, I don't really have any feelings about it, but I still want to unpack it to kind of show you what's out here. I, I think sometimes you do have to focus on more of the stupidity of it versus getting emotional about it. Because these are kids, but, I mean, look, they're kids, and they were raised by somebody. So there's this Georgia high school students. I believe they went to uh, Carrollton City High School. This is in Georgia somewhere. And there's this TikTok video. People should be familiar. There's a a number of these social media platforms, whether it's IG, whether it's Snapchat. There's also TikTok. And TikTok seems to be kind of a a, a foray for people to give these clips, these very quick comedic clips where people are doing all kinds of goofy business. It's it's really a goof for, for young people. Uh, I have a membership to TikTok, but I looked at it for a few minutes, and I, I barely go on it. So anyway, um, what went viral were these two students. That, again, they're in, they're in quarantine. So in quarantine, uh, you know, what is it, the, the devil's playground, an idle mind and all that kind of stuff? Their, their minds are definitely beyond idle. Um, high school seniors going to Carrollton City Schools, uh, boyfriend and girlfriend, allegedly, and they have a video of themselves. They post this video on TikTok where they are at a, at a bathroom sink. All of this is supposed to be meta humor. It's supposed to be real, real uh, introspective humor, in quotes, allegedly. So these two rocket scientists, um, they put a piece of paper in this sink and it has the N-word. It has the word nigger. I don't even like using the word N-word. It has the word nigger in it with the hard R. Even, even saying that is stupid. But anyway, they, they have this written word on a napkin, on a piece of paper, in the sink. And they start, start to pour fake ingredients on top of the N-word, the nigger word. Like uh, fatherlessness. They have a cup, a cup entitled fatherlessness a cup called crime or something like all the all the societal um stereotypes and they're basically trying to be meta and trying to be funny and cute about making this clip and pouring all these fake ingredients as to what creates a quote-unquote nigger so that didn't fly over too well and in no time flat i believe these students have been have been uh let go Okay, uh, and uh, you know this goes back to the Friday, the, the the Friday movie. How do you lose your job on your day off? <laughs> you're quarantined, you're not in high school, and you get expelled. In, under how do you lose your job on your day off? So I'm gonna read a little bit of this, and then we'll unpack. I mean, it's just dumb. Uh, I I don't feel anything. You know, I just I'm just. Um, I guess as I, I said this on Twitter. I guess the. The Appalachian crew. If you're going to make fun of lower-tier black people, then I guess those ills don't apply to what we know to be true in some of the poorer white communities. They don't don't factor into this. It's only black people. So anyway, um, for the New York Post, 
It says, two high school seniors in Georgia were expelled for posting a racist video on social media. Uh, the students who were not identified by Carrollton City Schools officials were expelled from Carrollton High School Friday for a racially offensive TikTok video. Um, it says, uh, the students continue, next we have no, uh, yeah, next we, ha- we, have, we have robbed people, specifically whites. Yeah, they do that. The last one is go to jail. So they, they were building these ingredients based on stereotypes. I'm not going to go any further into it. Any thoughts about this, gentlemen? I mean, it's, it's part of the course. They were expelled. Well, I, I was actually – actually, it was hard for me, but uh, actually was somewhat offended by it. It was so basic, so dumb. And what kind of amused me is was, well, both of them, but the girl in particular – you know, was made these, you know, crying false apology, you know, apologies saying I believe black was, people are equal or human. You know, I wasn't raised that way, but you did it anyway. But well, then, look, of course, she made herself the victim because people, of course, from all over kept attacking her. And then she started making herself the victim, you know, well, like, why are you against me? Why are you this? And then the guy... Um, he was made himself the victim too because he posted something like, "Gee, now my wrestling career is ruined," you know, or you yeah, know. yeah, you know. So. Like, I don't care. I, I don't care if you're harassed. I don't care if your career is ruined. I don't care, you know, because you know you were doing wrong in the first place. And uh, I'm sorry. I'm not going to excuse your racism. I can't, you know. And evidently, neither is anybody else. And, um, uh, oh, yeah, and what's the other thing? She was supposed to be going to some college, but then, of course, the college saw the video, so she's been told that she, you know, her application has been rejected. Uh, so, there you go. You know. Well, you know, I've, I've, uh, Captain, any thoughts on this? No, sir. Okay. So, uh, like you said, I I don't really care about what happens to you when you do something stupid. Um, When I mentioned something about the word Karen earlier in the show, when I said that the term or the or the name Karen is being used as a pejorative, and some and some women, one particular woman, doesn't like Karen uh, being used to describe a, a white person like this young woman. But this is this is why the word Karen was 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 kind of co-opted. She pulled a Karen. Once you're called out on your behavior, now you want to fall back on my boy my boyfriend. You know he normalized my racism, and then she was even condescending in her mea culpa by saying that, oh well, I do believe black people are human. Okay, really? Oh, thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I'm I'm glad that you know you you. You're give you're affording us that luxury that you think that you believe in your heart that we're kind of sort of human. Uh, you know, it's just no. I'm more I'm more concerned about your humanity. I'm not so sure if you are human, because the part that's funny and I'm supposed to feel something is that you know when you do this stupid stuff, you're so out of out of mind with your hubris. You're so outside of yourself that you don't realize that when you do this stupid stuff, the world sees it. It's going to be for the world to see at their leisure for the next 500 years. <laughs> okay, so for the, for the next 30 years, you need to get a job. 
So I don't know how you're going to get a job when someone can easily look look you up and see you you repeatedly doing the dumbest racist thing. I guess because of your oh, whiteness. Oh, they do that. I, I guess because that. of your white. I guess because of your whiteness, maybe you'll do you'll do all right. You could bet on yourself, maybe. But uh, to do anything really irrespective of your race, to do anything, because I say this even to black people or to any person of color, uh, you do anything that's so stupid on the internet and you got a camera in front of you, be <laughs> if you put it on put it on the internet for the world to see for the end of all time. You're going to be paying for it severely. So I, the idea that people can be, out of, can be out of their mind to such a degree where they don't think that, hey, if I do something really stupid, I'm going to pay for this, you need to be on the best behavior if you're going to actually do something on the Internet. Well, that's the thing. You hit the thing. Because first of all, I've always said that thank God for all this video stuff now. Because people are now doing stuff in the open that they did behind closed doors in private. You know, when I hear people saying like, well, this video is exposing all this new racism. There's no new racism. This pe- people have always been doing this kind of stuff, except we didn't, didn't have the video footage for it. Now we do. Which means that the second pr- thing, which you just mentioned, why would you do it on video? It's like putting it up on a billboard. On a strip, everybody will see it. I don't understand how you can do something like this and not think that people only only the people who think it's funny will see it. I don't get it. You're well, really you know that what? clueless. You know what? I, I'm going to say something that I don't think is controversial. It could, it could be up for debate, but you know, people have said that um, you know before we before we become true cyborgs. Before we become true cyborgs, we're already there. That uh, these smartphones and PCs and uh, tablets are literally an extension of the limbic system. And I think that the, that we're, that the younger people, especially, like for us, we're more analog people. We can kind of do it both. Well, you know, we were raised on video games, but we weren't born of it. Like you have people that were literally born into being a cyborg that I think they don't, they're not conscious. Like we're still conscious of analog versus digital. These people were born digital. And it might be an excuse, but I think it's happening with such frequency where you're saying, well, how can somebody who, who has some degree of awareness, how would you be committing crime? You have people that are committing crimes openly. You have people shooting people in the head, Sergio. It, it, it could get, this is mild compared to what people are doing openly, openly committing crimes, showing a, a wad of cash that you just stole 15 minutes ago and putting it on your face on your Facebook page. Uh, people are, you know, the, the poor guy, uh, Pop Smoke, the rapper that was showing money, showed where he lived and he got Pop Smoked. <laughs> your name is Pop Smoked. You got, you got Pop Smoked. Showing money in this in, in, in this mansion you were renting in L.A. I mean, you, who doesn't know this can't happen? They, they, they're a cyborg. A cyborg doesn't know that their left arm isn't real. They don't know that anymore. They don't. That's what's. I think. I'm just theorizing. I think we're at that point. They can't differentiate between real analog life and virtual life. This is this is a cosmic argument that that the the captain would make. What do you what do you think about my thesis, Captain? Is that part of it? Possibly, maybe you disagree. I totally agree. When the when the the vaccine comes, you're really gonna see robots. <laughs> when the vaccine comes, 
2022. You really be robots then. But I, I appreciate what you're saying, sir. We got about three minutes remaining, but I want to say this though. I really appreciate being analog and digital because at least, like Neo, we can unplug. We can unplug. These cats cannot unplug. I have uh, millennial friends. A lot of our friends are millennials. Millennial friends that get frustrated because I'm not on the. I'm not on my phone. <laughs> like I texted you a minute ago. How come you didn't pick up? What? Because I wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> I wanted to read a book. I wanted to play something called a record. <laughs> I mean, I mean, this is where we're going. But I, but I can, I can plug and I can unplug. The, these younger cats, they cannot unplug. They can't unplug. Uh, gentlemen, I think we'll leave it there. We got about three minutes remaining. Always have these uh, eventful and festive conversations. We'll do it again. I promise you. I think we're actually getting close to this next format. It was just an issue, uh, again, uh, technical stuff. Um, Two generation X folk trying to figure out the technology. <laughs> so I think that's what that's what happened with with um, this next move. But the next move, if it goes down, it's going to be far superior. Uh, it's going to sound a lot better. There's going to be commercials. So um, okay. we might still have. Oh, I think money. we're still going to. Ooh, this sounds like money. Sounds like money. Okay. Well, look, we'll, we'll see. There's going to be. We're going to be. We're going to have to break for commercials. And also, um, I think we I think we're gonna still keep maybe an hour show for um, for block talk only because I want to play my music, <laughs> only okay. because I want to play my music. This is gonna be like a, a, only a music this. thing. After this, after uh, and, 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 and ladies and gentlemen out there, go ahead. And ladies and gentlemen out there, don't forget to tell your umbrella. Tell your big mama. Okay, Make sure all right. Tell your pop pop. <laughs> after this, after uh, those are gonna be able to pay for the, the gloves and the mask that he's wearing. Oh, yeah, <laughs> certainly. <laughs> all right, gentlemen, let's call it. We'll do it again next week. Um, going out on Georgia and Modrow, yellow dandelion. It's been real. Appreciate it. Oh, 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 o